0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit net and click on the pre-born logo to donate to save babies now. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush.
1: We're happy to be with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with most of the guys. we got myself, Bob, and John, and Roger, and Neil Boron will hopefully be joining us uh, partway through the uh, podcast. He's got some technical difficulties. We're in the process of working out. But guys, how are you? Great good always good talking with you and catching up and you know this has been a uh, so many things going on of course uh, to talk about but uh, the big story that's been discussed is uh, the pair of horrible tragedies that happened over the weekend in buffalo and in laguna woods california there near los angeles as you folks know in buffalo you had this 18 year old Racist, self-described white supremacist who went to a grocery store, Topps grocery store, and just started gunning down people in an effort to, let's be honest, kill black people. He went to a predominantly black neighborhood to do this, and he ended up shooting 13 people, two of which were white, 11 of which were black. There were 10 deaths, uh, nine black people, one white person died. Uh, Horrible tragedy there. Then uh, the next day, Sunday in Laguna Woods, California. You have this Taiwanese Presby- Presbyterian church, and somebody goes in there, a Chinese man goes in there, and starts shooting up people. Uh, kills one person, uh, shoots, injures five others. The one person that was killed, interestingly enough, a medical doctor who heroically charged the gunman and lost his life trying to save other people's lives. This apparently was a uh, was a thing where the gunmen hated Taiwan and Taiwanese, and we know, of course, the tension that exists between China and Taiwan. So we're going to talk about these things from a lot of different angles, these shootings from many different angles. Obviously, there are a lot of politics to discuss here. There's no doubt about that. Uh, But we're Christians first, and so certainly we want to encourage everybody to be praying for these families that are suffering. These are difficult times, of course, for these families, most certainly. Uh, But also to gain a perspective on exactly what happened uh, there from people in those communities. And I know, of course, in Buffalo, New York, we have Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live, the broadcast out of Buffalo, New York. And I understand that the studio is just minutes away from where this uh, horrific shooting took place. I believe we have Neil Boron with us now. Neil, do we have you?
2: yeah sorry, we' were having some trouble connecting earlier,
1: but um, oh, that's quite all right yeah so so Neil, I mean, there's a lot to talk about here politically, there are many things to unpack and President Biden and the some of the race baiting and everything else, but as I mentioned before, we're Christians first, and we need to acknowledge the, the pain and the suffering and what happened and and kind of paint a picture for us, Neil, of what's going on what what what's happening in the community of Buffalo? I mean, this is right in your backyard where this happened, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, just minutes away from the radio station. In fact, sometimes uh, I, I come in, I'm just like Variety, so I come in and by various routes to get to the station and often pass right by that area. Um, it's a pretty tight-knit community. Buffalo uh, is, I found out, one of the least diverse cities in America, but the 14208 zip code where the shooting occurred is one of the most densely populated with black brothers and sisters and uh, black Americans. And um, for that reason... It was highlighted and it was chosen so yeah the community's reeling and there's a lot of pain a lot of people that are concerned and and uh since then there's been a number of alternative threats i, I suppose they're bogus you have to take them seriously though where uh, several stores including another top super supermarket where my own uh, son-in-law is a pharmacist also serving a minority neighborhood uh, was on a list of places that were targeted for some kind of an attack so there was a swat team there had the store in lockdown on sunday um, hmm. This morning there was a threat on a local public school. Uh, a personal friend of mine uh, was headed over to pick up his daughter, get her out of there. Um, so, I mean, there've been some like copycat kind of things that have been happening since. Um, whether or not they're credible, who knows? But the reality is, there's a whole lot of people hurting because some really good people lost their lives on Saturday.
1: Right. How have you guys handled it as far as you know, on the show and such, and and with your listeners, and what's the what's been the general response?
2: Uh, Monday we we brought in a few people that were close to the situation. Uh, we have a, a black pastor who's a friend who's um, also a law enforcement officer here in the city of Buffalo. He's an investigator for the Buffalo Police Department. Uh, he was on the air with us also. Um, a gentleman who pastors a church just a few blocks uh, literally from where that Tops is. He shops at that Tops and his, uh, his aunt uh, was killed. Uh, her name's Percy Young. She was killed in the in the shooting, uh, another personal friend, a deacon from a local church, but somebody who's been a friend of Andre Clark for years, uh, was also killed on Saturday. Um, so, I mean, there were there were close personal connections. Uh, Andre Clark and uh, Mark Hamilton were both with us. They're both af- African-American brothers. And then Dave Buds, uh, who's a retired FBI agent, a federal agent, who worked on, um, you know, did investigations and worked on a task force dealing with domestic terrorism. Uh, he's he's also becoming a local pastor. They're planning a church in June. He just retired two weeks ago from the FBI and actually would have been heading the investigation if he hadn't retired. Uh, he's also going to be serving soon as an FBI chaplain, but was called in, you know, even though he's not officially a chaplain, to, to do and perform some duties of a chaplain during this time as he's uh, helping to reach out to some of the FBI officers that are dealing with the situation. So, um, you know, kind of close connections there and I did not know anyone personally, but obviously Buffalo is a pretty tight-knit community. It's referred to as the city of good neighbors, and we've never seen anything of this sort come to our city before. You hear about it in the national news. It happens other places, and it happened in our city on Saturday.
1: Right. Well, and it's obviously everybody needs to be praying for the people for the community there certainly for the families that are that are suffering yeah. in the midst of all of this because it's just and by
2: a, the way let me mention yeah. uh, yesterday we just opened the phone lines and let people talk just let them share their heart you know, sure. kind of a grieving situation today i'll be speaking with a pastor who's uh he's an african-american brother he's been a friend of mine for almost 40 years uh, he's served over 50 years in ministry in our city widely regarded highly respected and he's going to be joining us uh, today Tomorrow, we're going to have some um, nationally recognized grief counselors, uh, trauma counselors with us. Dr. Diane Langberg, 50 years in trauma kind of ministry, dealing with genocide and rape and war and uh, mass shootings and all kinds of things. She and uh, her colleague, Dr. Phil Monroe, will join us. So we're trying to touch on the various angles, you know, because obviously there are the individuals themselves who died. There were the families impacted because they lost loved ones. There were people who witnessed what happened and people who knew people. Who were there. And then, you know, I think that some of this sparks some pretty harsh feelings for people that have been through other things. Like if you lost someone during 9 11, just the shock of, you know, some kind of a tragedy like that, you may be feeling uh, a sense of, you know, uh, uneasiness and unrest, remembering that the world is a crazy place and this kind of stuff does happen. And so this one really happened close to home. And I can imagine that a lot of people in this area lost friends and loved ones who were working in the World Trade Center on 9 11. So when these kind of things happen, I think it stirs up some of those thoughts from the past, and so there's going to be a need for people to step in, especially believers and pastors in the church, to provide some comfort and understanding for people that are struggling. Right.
1: So true. Well, and it wasn't just Buffalo, because the next day uh, we saw an attempted massacre that uh, took one life in Laguna Woods, California, and this is the backyard of our own Roger Marsh. And so, here's what we're going to do: we're going to take a short break right now, and then we're going to we're going to continue this discussion on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. But you know, as we as we talk about this, as we talk about lives being lost, as believers in Christ, we know that it's a tragedy anytime lives are lost, and you hear us talking about preborn all the time and how we can save unborn babies' lives. So we look at everything going on with Roe v. Wade right now on the verge of being overturned. And it's so important for us as believers to get active and to do what we can to save people's lives. And we have an opportunity right now, folks, to save the lives of unborn babies by partnering with Preborn. Okay, let me explain. Uh, Preborn— partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across America. And what they do is they show ultrasound images of babies to the mothers in an unplanned pregnancy. And do you know statistically, when a woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, that that mother chooses life 80% of the time, 80%. So this saves babies' lives. Just to give you an idea, pre-born last year in 2021 saved the lives of 43,669 babies across the country. And by the way, along the way, there were nearly 8,000 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ. So here's how you folks get involved. It takes, on average, $28 to save one baby's life. for one baby's life. So we're asking you, listening to us right now on this podcast, would you, this very moment, donate $280 to save 10 babies' lives? It's that simple, folks. $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Here's how you do that. You can go right now online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and click on the tab that says to help save babies, donate now all right, crawfordmediagroup.net to help save babies, donate now. $280. Look, if you could do double that, save 20 babies' lives for $560. Or if it's only half of that, save five, five babies' lives for $140. So you can save five, 10, or 20 babies' lives by donating right now $140, $280, or $560. So go to the website, crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the tab to help save babies, donate now. And if you want to do this over the phone, They are manning the phones 24 hours a day. Right now, they're ready to take your call at 833-850-BABY. So do that now, if you would. Let's save some babies' lives. As we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all the guys, Roger Marsh, John Rush, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco, we're talking about the horrible shooting tragedies that happened over the weekend. Uh, Neil talked with us, of course, about what happened in Buffalo, New York. Well, there was another one, of course, in California a horrible tragedy there, uh, in the backyard of our own Roger Marsh, who hosts the bottom line uh, out of California. And Roger, tell us a little bit about what happened there, the events at uh, this uh, Taiwanese Presbyterian church. And and actually, I understand you have a personal connection to the uh, heroic medical doctor who gave his life trying to save other people's lives at that church.
3: Yeah, I actually do, Bob. Uh, The the, the story is that Irvine Taiwanese Presbyterian Church, founded about 30 years ago, they have been meeting at the Geneva Presbyterian Church in Laguna Woods for the past decade or so. There are seven mainline denominational churches in the area of Laguna Woods, which was formed as called Leisure World, which was a retirement community. It's the largest retirement community in the People's Republic of California. They since incorporated as a city and they have 18,000 members. Got a mayor, the whole shot. That's just a really sweet group of people. And there are mainline denominational churches all the way around. And if I can paint a picture, you know, kind of like what Neil did for Buffalo, uh, Geneva Press is at the top of El Toro Road, which goes down into Laguna Canyon. So if you've ever gone to Laguna Beach, Pageant of the Masters, that type of stuff, it's just idyllic and peaceful and green and wonderful. And the Laguna Woods City residents all live in this large, huge, massive gated community. And there are different gates and ways to get in. So uh, Geneva Press is right next to Gate 7, if that helps at all. Mm-hmm. On uh, this past Sunday, there's a the, the, most of the congregations there have another foreign language church meeting with them. We have a Hispanic congregation, a Korean congregation that meets at our Lutheran church. Lutheran Church of the Cross is literally three long blocks away from uh, Geneva. So, I mean, I've, I've been a part of a church for half my life. That's within walking distance of this church, and as far as our family connection goes, my son Jake used to work as a shift supervisor at the Starbucks that's literally across the street that used to serve people from this church. So I mean, it's really uh, it's very personal for me in terms of where we uh, I've spent most of my life in this in this neck of the woods. Um, on that day, on that Sunday, the. Uh, Taiwanese congregation has their service in the social hall the same time as the main campus meets in the main sanctuary. And they have about 150 people who worship there every Sunday. It's a very active community, but they're mostly um, exclusively senior citizens. And their former pastor, Billy Chang, had left the Taiwanese group in uh, Irvine to go plant a church in Taiwan. And uh, if you know anything, you know about the Taiwanese and how many people have had to flee and come settle here. To have a home church like this one this is one of the larger taiwanese christian churches presbyterian church is very big in taiwan and so having this you know uh, background uh, this is a place that was more than just church i mean it really was home for these folks almost like an embassy if you will yeah. um entered david chow who is a guy who uh, his family are chinese but they got basically run out of china he was actually born in taiwan and he's hated that about his life apparently so he eventually became a u.s citizen came to the u.s settled in las vegas and actually attempted to join a group that is a a group of chinese nationals that they call themselves las vegas chinese for the peaceful reunification and it's completely sponsored by the chinese communist party and this guy apparently went to one meeting and he was so radical, they, quote unquote, uninvited him to join the group. So, I mean, they just they, they thought, man, you're crazy. We don't want any part of you. So he's been there for about 10 years. He's going through a divorce. He really doesn't like Taiwan. And he really doesn't like Christians, especially Taiwanese Christians. So evidently, this is the closest Christian Taiwanese church he could find to Las Vegas. So he gets in the car on Saturday, drives out. Shows up on Sunday with a couple of weapons and the makings for Molotov cocktails. He brought chains and things to lock people in the room. Shows up in worship service, and what happens in a retirement community when someone says, "My mom used to go to this church"? They welcome him in, and so right. he worships with them. It's this it, is Dylan Roof all over again, right? So mm-hmm. he's there. Uh, meanwhile, a guy by the name of Doctor John Chang, local uh, medical uh, doctor, is there. His mom and dad had been part of this congregation. And his dad had recently passed away. So when their former pastor was back from Taiwan to visit, Dr. Chang took his mother, which is just the, the right thing to do. So, of course, they're having lunch afterwards, and that's when uh, David Chow gets up and literally changes the handles of the doors together. As everyone's sitting down with their food, they're talking, they're taking pictures. No one's paying attention to what's going on. He pulls out his weapons and opens fire. And mm-hmm. at that point, Dr. Chang uh, rushes toward him. He winds up winds up absorbing a couple of gunshot wounds. But then the gun jams, he knocks him to the ground. Um, Dr. Chang is skilled at martial arts. He's a jujitsu instructor, also does kung fu. So he knew how to uh, you know, disarm this guy. The pastor then picks up a chair and knocks the assailant over the head. And if you can imagine these 80 and 90-year-old people you know, kind of jumping on top of this guy to subdue him, they finally right. eventually did. Uh, the personal part of the story for me is that John Chang was my doctor. And um, oh, he was boy. our family physician for 20 years. And uh, when I went through my heart, issue and everything he was the one who spotted the aneurysm in my uh in my x-ray and he was the one who referred me to a cardiologist and a pulmonologist and if it weren't for John Chang I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now so mm-hmm. um I'm not surprised at all that this man of faith who was a bottom line listener um I'm not surprised at all that he did what he did um as a matter of fact he at one point told me since radio business is kind of goofy, if I ever wanted to become a jujitsu instructor, he'd be happy to hire me, which okay. we always kind of laughed about. But um, mm. just a, just a great man of faith and uh, not surprised whatsoever that uh, there's been such an outpouring of support. He worked with a lot of local athletes. They had a, his uh, practice was the uh, South Coast Medical Group, which did a lot of, they did all the, that was a place where all the local athletes went and got their physicals before they started sports and this, that, and the other thing. And even some guys who've made it to the pros are reposting his eulogy online saying, this guy, this guy was my doctor when I was in high school. Um, he's a wonderful man uh, had a traditional, he and his wife had a couple of kids who go to Santa Margarita Rita Catholic high school, wife's a stay at home mom. They're just, I mean, you, you could not create this family any better out of central casting, but, uh, well done, good and faithful servant, Dr. John Chang. And now David Chow's facing, uh, one count of murder, five counts of attempted murder. And, um, they're kind of digging a little deeper into his connection with the, uh, Chinese government. He may just be a bad actor. Who's kind of a crazy guy, but, uh, you know, yeah. nonetheless, because he does have this history, they're looking into that as well.
1: Well, this is a, obviously this is a very, uh- Personal thing that hits home with you. I mean, this this yeah. this wasn't just somebody from your community. This wasn't just somebody who is a listener to your show. This is somebody who is a friend and a per, your personal physician, right. and actually responsible for detecting the problem that ultimately saved your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and you know what a courageous man too. I mean, you think about this. Uh, he I, actually, I said without knowing this, Roger, I didn't even know that 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 you knew him personally. But I was saying on my show. On Monday about this uh, this doctor that uh, when your average person would be looking for a door to try to run out of or to climb under a pew or try to hide or something like that, here's a man who did what law enforcement does every day. He right. ran into bullets, into right. bullets to try to save the lives of other people there. Yeah. Uh, you know, no greater love uh, is this than a man and laid down his life for his friends, and that's what he did. And he he is is with the Lord right now. So what an incredible uh, story and testament as well. And Roger, I know this is difficult for you because it does strike so personally, Mm -hmm. but um, there's a lot more to talk to uh, talk about this. We're going to bring uh, John Rush into this. We're going to talk obviously from a Christian perspective, how do we understand and process this kind of pain and suffering? But then in the second half of this podcast, there's a whole lot of political stuff to talk about and we're certainly going to dive into to all of that as well. and you know, every time we see this kind of pain, this kind of suffering, this kind of death, uh, a lot of times people say, well, what can I do about this? Is there anything I can do? You know something? There is. There are lives that you can save right now by partnering with preborn. You hear us talking about this all the time, folks. We got Roe v. Wade on the verge of potentially being overturned. And do you know that $28 can save a baby's life? $28. Say, how can that happen? Because pre-born partners with pro-life centers all across the country to show ultrasound images of babies to mothers with unplanned pregnancies. And statistically, when that mom sees an ultrasound image of her baby, she chooses life 80% of the time, 80%. And so here's what it works out to, folks. $28 is the average cost to save one baby's life. What we're asking everybody in the audience to do, if you're listening to this podcast right now, we're asking you for a one-time decision, a one-time donation of $280 to save 10 babies' lives through pre-born. Would you consider doing that right now? $280. Now, you can do double that, $560, and save 20 babies' lives, or you could do half of that, 140 and save five babies' lives. But uh, we're really looking for Everybody to do 280 if you can to save 10 babies' lives. Hey, look, maybe you can do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. I don't know your budget. I just know that we all need to have skin in the game, and this is an opportunity for us to come together and save some lives of unborn babies. So would you do this today? Here's how you do this. Go right now online to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. And click on the tab that says to help save babies, donate now. And you can do that right there online. You can also call this toll-free number, 833-850-BABY, and they man the phones 24 hours a day. So you can call right now and donate over the phone, 833-850-BABY. And listen, I know that there are some of you in the audience that maybe God has blessed you financially or you own a business, you'd like a nice tax write-off. We need some people to donate one time $15,000 to buy an ultrasound machine that'll save thousands of babies' lives. If that's you, same thing. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the tab to help save babies, donate now. Or again, you can call them at 833-850-BABY. But do that now. As we talk on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast about uh, pain and suffering and loss, uh, the horrible shootings in California, in Buffalo, New York. Uh, and we're going to get into the politics of this later on in the second half, but Right now, in the first half, we're talking about this from a Christian perspective. I want to bring, uh, I want to bring John Rush into this. Uh, Rush to Reason, of course, out of Denver, Colorado. You know, uh, John, we certainly didn't have this California shooting happen in our backyard. We didn't have the Buffalo shooting happen in our backyard like it did with Neil. Uh, but you and I have experienced our own share of of backyard horrible shootings. I know that. Um, Uh, Just last year in November here in Michigan, Oxford High School, which is within our listening area, Uh, They uh, of Detroit, the the gunman went in there and shot a bunch of kids, killed uh, kids there. As a matter of fact, two of my personal friends have children that attend there and were running for their lives. Uh, Thank God they're okay. Uh, And I know you there in in Denver, Colorado. Colorado Springs is not that far south of Denver, Colorado, and I know you remember the 2007 New Life uh, Church shooting as Mm. well.
4: We've had many. yeah, I know. Well, we it's we like, had one almost, almost to the day a year ago. The Boulder shooting at the King oh, Soopers yeah, was almost a year. Right. You know, just a couple of days off of a year ago. So yes.
1: How do you process stuff like that, John? I mean, first of all, Neil and Roger, they're pastors, okay, so they have a unique perspective on this, Mm -hmm. but you and I, I mean, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're also professional radio broadcasters and such. How do you handle that balance of, hey, this is personal, this is my community, people have been gunned down, Uh, I'm a brother in Christ, my heart aches for them, but then we also have... You know, a radio show to do and address things like the ugliness of politics and all that stuff connected to it. How, how do you balance those two?
4: And I think each one of us does that differently. And of course, you guys all that have listened to the podcast for any length of time know that I I probably process those things a little easier than most because I'm a fairly you know matter of fact, reasonable guy. Not that things sure. don't ever bother me or take it you know to heart. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not that hard and cold. But right. to your point, Bob, you just you know you process them accordingly and. I guess for me personally, I just know, and this is where I hate all the politics that gets brought in because, you know, sin is ugly, evil is ugly. This is what happens when sin and evil abounds. We know that that's the way it is on this earth right now. Eventually, that will change, but in the meantime, you know, evil abounds, and we'll talk the politics of this. You know, again, as you said in the second half, but you know, bottom line, um, you know, Cain didn't kill Abel with a gun and unfortunately mankind has been killing one another for quite some time now and I hate to say this, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but these will not be the last ones of these we talk right. about, unfortunately.
1: That that is so true. And and actually we have Neil, I do want to ask you, because you and Roger are both pastors, but Neil, I want to ask you to put your pastor hat on for just a second. And it's not fair to do this in just 60 seconds, but we only have 60 seconds left, real quick. How do you kind of handle and process the the, the question of, you know, where's God? And it's it's just difficult for people to wrap their their heads in our hearts around this kind of pain and suffering, but we do live in a fallen, sin-filled, sin-ravaged world, and this is an ugly
2: truth. I think depending on how many pastors you ask, you'll probably get that many different answers, because I agree with John, mm-hmm. you know, no two people handle it the same way, but I think I think the vast majority of people would be wise to do more listening rather than talking uh, at, at first anyway, you know, till people are really ready to try to absorb something Amen. other than the shock That's that right. they're feeling right Amen. now, and mm-hmm. yeah. so I think that, you know, everyone not everyone, many, many here in our city are just kind of in listening mode right now. And that's what I tried to do yesterday on my program, not not really give much pushback, even if some of the things being said were things I didn't agree with. People were venting. They needed to vent. I think it's part of the healing process. And I think when people get past, you know, the initial shock and the anger and, and, and begin to grieve in different ways, then it's time to bring up the issues that God was there in the midst and that sin is alive and well on the planet right now, but that one day there's going to be a place where there's no pain, no suffering, no tears. And I think at that point, people are ready to accept that kind of information. Right now, they're angry at God, and God can handle that. He's big enough to be able to handle the anger because His love is is unconditional
1: that he is. In the second half of this podcast folks, we're going to be talking about the political aspects of all of this that's going on and we invite you to listen to uh, the second half online if you're not able to listen on your regular radio station, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple Podcast or tune in wherever you listen. You can also watch the video of this at myhopenow.com. Second half coming
4: up next.
0: This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Production.
1: Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with all of the guys. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh, the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Uh, The first half of the podcast we talked about from a Christian and uh, uh, really just more of an emotional perspective of of what's going on with these horrible tragedy shootings in Buffalo, New York, uh, as well as Laguna Woods, California. This second half, we're going to explore and unpack the political nature of this. It is so unfortunate that tragedies like this have to be politicized, unfortunately, uh, they are, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the Democrats and uh, Joe Biden and what he's doing and going to Buffalo and that whole thing. But but before we get to all of that, let's talk about the issue of white supremacy. Uh, and, John, I, I guess I'd like to start with you. John Rush, Rush Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, this this guy is an 18-year-old kid. He writes this, what they're calling a manifesto. It was really just a disjointed ranting of his, right. his racist views. Right. Uh but he calls himself a uh, white supremacist. It's like, you know, okay, that, that's pretty sick and twisted. He railed against Jews. He railed against immigrants and such. So a lot of nasty things, certainly, that, that he says and believes. Uh, but then I also... Notice that the mainstream media is trying to paint this image of him being a product of Tucker Carlson, Fox News, right-wing Christianity <laughs> yeah. and everything. Yeah, and it's like, not hard hold much. on a minute. This, this He specifically said in his quote-unquote manifesto, I'm not a Christian. He specifically said, I don't even believe in the afterlife. So he's pretty much an atheist. He calls himself a fascist, which is not something that conservatives embrace as a word at all. Nope. He nope. specifically said, I am not a conservative. I want no part of conservatism. He even wrote, conservatism is dead, thank God, and describes himself as having been deep into communist ideology, right. but now has moved a little bit more to the middle, but still, quote, authoritarian left. All right? So so this is who this guy is. Uh, he is a white supremacist in his own views, which is which is ridiculous and illogical and stupid and evil and sinful. But this guy is no way a product or an image of right wing ideology and conservative no. media in this country, John.
4: No, in fact, Bob, I would say it's 180 degrees opposite of what our side. Believes in so while the left, what's interesting is the left's trying to paint a guy that's on their side out to be on our side. All the while, they should be looking in the mirror because he's a product of them, not us.
1: Right, so true. Literally. How wide, how widespread do you think? Uh, and because I'll tell you what, we got the whole leftist thing. you Get into in a little bit. I do think part of the strategy here of the the liberal left and the mainstream media is to try to exaggerate the level of white supremacy in this country and try to paint white supremacy as the number one existential threat mm-hmm. to America. White supremacy is is evil and sick and wrong, of course. But I see it as a dying on the vine fringe movement, not something that's woven system, systematically throughout our nation. But the left needs to create that narrative, John, so that they can make the Republican the boogeyman right. uh, to, 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 to accuse us of somehow fueling this. And I, I just think Think it's really sick.
4: No, I, and I agree Bob, that 1000% you're spot on. That's exactly what they're trying to do. I also believe and in fact if you look even when we were kids and you looked at what quote unquote, you know, white supremacy was like at that time and the groups that were involved and so on and the different things that we would see and read and hear about and compare that to today, uh, it's a fraction today of what it was like even when we were growing up in the 70s and even the 80s. So the reality is it's not widespread. This isn't some sort of a, 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 a scourge on the country that we need to make sure that we go and wipe out tomorrow and know it's not the Republicans' fault. If anything, it's quite the opposite. We, we are dead set against any of these you know, radical type groups. In fact, even on this program, guys, we've even talked about the you know, Westboro Baptist Church and what they do, and how we don't even even agree with what they do on a regular basis. So the reality right. is, no, this is not our side. It's not what we believe in. We're not going to take this guy as our own. In fact, quite the opposite. This guy's as far from us as you could ever get. We don't believe in anything this guy stood for, any way, shape, or form. What's funny though, Bob, is you look at whatever you look at all the things that he read and believes in. It's a lot of what's on the Democrat platform. I know.
1: I know. It it really is ironic. Uh, Roger, let me ask you, Roger Marsh, I mean, you certainly have a a very unique and insightful perspective into the white supremacy debate that happens in this country. Uh, Are there people who hold on to an ideology of white supremacy in this country? Of course there are. I mean, as long as there's sin in the world, you're going to have people with sinful ideology. It's really absurd if you think about it. We're all made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, and so this notion of any kind of white supremacy or black power or whatever is just absurd. Uh but how widespread is this really? The left wants to make it seem like it, it it is woven into the very fabric of America. Joe Biden actually referred to it as the number one existential threat in America. It's like – I think it was uh, – maybe it was uh, Alejandro, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. I'm trying to recall. One of his cabinet members uh, basically was saying that it's the number one threat that we face to the country. And it's like oh, – it's an uv- ugly thing, but the number one threat to me, I think they're playing the exaggeration game.
3: Yeah, you know, and this is the place where we have to have cognitive dissonance. You have to, the idea that you can hold two seemingly opposite uh, theories, thoughts, ideologies, whatever, at the same time and believe that each of them is true. First and foremost, do we have a history of racism in the country? Of course we do. I mean, talk to people in the African-American persuasion, and they still have PTSD from things that happen in their family and mm-hmm. the threat of something like that. But this is the key, and then John, I think, hit on it so perfectly. It's the Democrat Party that is is trying to stoke the fear here, first and foremost. We can look at this guy and say, okay, what a— nut job i mean what i don't know where you got all this stuff from you certainly didn't get it from conservative values you didn't get it from the church you didn't get it from the republican party maybe you watched tucker carlson a couple times and something set you off i don't know but anybody who is a clear thinking american could look at this guy and say he's a fruitcake i mean there's just there's nothing doesn't have both feet in the batter's box pick your own you know euphemism that applies Mm -hmm. here but it would all, I think we would also be remiss if we didn't take a look at the fact that every time the Democrats do put that out there, Joe Biden or Mayorkas or whoever says, you know, well, here we go. It's part of their talking point scare agenda. It is going to strike an emotional chord with people. And so we have to tread very carefully in the sense, not that we have to watch our words, but I think we, the more mindful we can be of the fact that if you say, look, this is, a, a as Neil noted, this is the most heavily concentrated largest concentration of African-Americans in Buffalo. This guy targeted them because they were black. He he did his homework. He drove 200 miles across several county lines to come in here and attack this store and was looking at another top supermarket, from what I understand, that also had a high concentration of African-Americans. I mean, there's no question, pure, unadulterated evil on, the, uh, on this guy's front, but does that mean then that everybody who watches Tucker Carlson f- thinks the same way he does? Well, of course not. And we have the more we can share that message, and we can, and, and, you know, calm the fears. We, we can't come across, I believe, as dismissive of well, this just guy a fruitcake, so don't pay attention to him. We have to look at the fact that there are those, and I'd love to get Neil's take on this too, as to what you're hearing in Buffalo. Uh, but I know from my personal experience, anecdotally, and from what I've seen, too, all the media has to do is say, remember a couple of years ago, well, ever since Donald Trump took office, white supremacy is skyrocketing. And you're like, what, skyrocketing? What does that mean? So you a couple of clicks on Google, and you find out that in 2018, there were 100 white supremacist groups, and the next year there were 140. So all of a sudden, there's a 55% increase, which is skyrocketing. You know. But we've we learned from the pandemic, whether it's surges or spikes or you know the terminology that is used. They've got the talking points ready to go, and unfortunately, they have a media army that's ready to, uh, you know, carry their water for them. And so, that's a battle that we are always going to have to fight.
1: Yeah, so true. We're going to get Neil on this in just a moment. Uh, in the meantime, you've been hearing folks us asking you to partner with Preborn, and if you ha- if you did that earlier, great, thank you. You're saving babies' lives. If you have not, then we're asking you to do that now. Okay, remember two hundred and eighty dollars saves the lives of 10 babies. That's right. Statistically, it works out to about $28 to save one baby's life through preborn. We're asking you to save 10 babies' lives by donating $280 right now, if you would. Remember, how they save babies' lives is by showing ultrasound images of babies to their moms. 80% of the time, when a woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, statistically, 80% of the time, she lets that baby live. This is how babies' lives are saved. And Preborn has partnered for years with crisis pregnancy centers all across America to save these babies' lives. But it takes money. It takes money. Where's it going to come from? It comes from us. It comes from the body of Christ. It comes from people that are pro-life. So would you donate right now to Preborn? Here's how you do it. Just go online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And click on the link that says To Help Save Babies. Donate now. And you can donate that $280 right over, uh, right there on the web, okay, to save 10 babies' lives. And you know something? If you could do more than that, great, do more than that. Some of you may be able to do $2,800. It's all a tax write-off for you, of course, and save 100 babies' lives. But whatever you can do, do that right now at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And uh, you can also do it over the phone if you want to because they man the phones 24 hours a day. So you can call right now to 833 850 baby. That's 833-850-BABY. And yes, we still need somebody out there to donate $15,000 one time to buy an ultrasound machine that'll save thousands of babies' lives. All right, And that's a tax write-off for you, too. Maybe God's blessed you financially, or you're a business owner or whatever, so do that, too. Uh, But we continue our Crawford National uh, Roundtable discussion on the shootings that happened in Buffalo and in California. And Neil, I want to ask you, as we talk about the political aspect of this, it has been politicized in a big way. The white supremacy card gets played. And and I think that's really a shame because white supremacy, is it real? Yes. However, is it widespread in 2022 uh, and pretty much identify, is it spreading like wildfire in America? Uh, I would say absolutely not. That is a dirty, campaign from democrats and progressives who are trying to create white supremacy as being bigger than it really is so that they can point the finger at conservatives and republicans and say you guys are fueling this to try to smear us and make us look bad Uh, i think it's a shame i hate seeing people's blood and death and pain and suffering being used in this kind of manipulative way but i see it happening right now from the left quite frankly
2: yeah, I don't know how else to describe it, but it kind of feels like guilt by lack of association. What I mean is, if you're not one of us, you're a white supremacist. You know, yeah. that you obviously uh, don't agree with our values. That must mean that you're pro-Trump, you're pro-Buffalo You know, Buffalo mass shooter. I don't even want to say his name. Some of the media right. in our city don't want to give his name, so I'm not even going to mention it. But the point is... Um, like you're one of them. You think like they do. You you support this kind of stuff. I don't support any of that kind of stuff. By the way, I have 12 people in my immediate family that are either black or Asian or from some other ethnic group. Like our family is not racist. I don't want anything to do with racist attitudes. I love people of all colors. Uh, am I a sinner? Yeah. Am I imperfect? You bet. But the bottom line is I love Jesus, and I want to be associated with God's people and the people that are created in his image, and that includes people from all kinds of racial backgrounds. It's an absolute total lie to associate Christians across the board with that kind of thing. Are there some people that will pick up a gun and shoot an abortion doctor? Yeah, but I want no part of that stuff. And you know what? The the other thing, as much as it's sickening, it really is sickening, if you stop and think about it, uh, how these things get politicized. And So, you know, the first part of Biden's speech yesterday Uh, Really actually showed some empathy for the families and stuff like that. I mean you could really Say well, he did a great job, you know caring for the people he named them and so forth Immediately then it switches and he starts making connections between this event and the January 6th event Right, um, you know taking these wild leaps to say the guy that did this he's a part of all that, you know and so there's massive politicization but the other thing I, I would say, monetization. I, all I want to throw out, we probably won't talk about it in any other context. But you see, all these groups, all these people, we had people coming in from out of town, representing all kinds of organizations. Some of which are entirely legit, but some of which are here to capitalize on an opportunity to to get Facebook likes and to raise money for their nonprofit organization, as if they're in the heart of you know fixing all the problems of, in in the world. And I don't doubt that some of them are sincere. But, you know, I guess what's really sickening is that when people are down and suffering and struggling in some fashion, whatever it is, whether it's this kind of a thing or something else, that there are people, opportunists, who will step in, and it definitely happens in the political arena, and I think it was Roger that said it. Obviously, they're in lockstep with the mainstream media, so, you know, the the narrative gets pushed down the river quick, more quickly because the mainstream media is on board with it.
1: Yeah, it's so true. When, when I think about the, the politics of this, and you mentioned Joe Biden going to... To Buffalo, I know know this is going to sound like a really uh, a really cynical thing to say, but it sure does seem like Joe Biden and the Democrats don't really care about the victims of these mass shootings unless they can find a way to exploit it to their benefit to make Republicans look bad and Democrats look good. Otherwise, it just doesn't make it on their radar screens. And I just I want to give some examples uh, very quickly, if I could. Uh, in Waukesha, Wisconsin in November of last year. Remember this? You had this racist black man. He publicly called for violence against white people. He even said, posted that Hitler was right for killing all of those Jews. Okay, what does he do? He goes to a mostly white area Christmas parade. He drives his SUV into the crowd, actually swerving his SUV to try to hit as many people as possible. He kills six people, dozens injures uh, injures dozens. An eight-year-old boy was killed. And you know, this was clearly... A racially motivated attack, but it was black on white from somebody who was an avowed hater of white people. And Joe Biden didn't go there and visit. The media just quickly moved on from this, all right? Uh, Joe Biden didn't go out there and name the names of these victims because there wasn't an opportunity politically to use this against Republicans. Uh, The New York City subway shooting of just last month, you have this racist black man. Posted his hatred for white people. He posted, quote, Oh, black Jesus, please, please kill all the whiteys. He said, quote, I want to kill white people. He referred to white people as, quote, the devil. He shoots up 10 white people on a subway. Now, Miraculously, nobody died. Uh, but you know something? Joe Biden didn't go there. He didn't meet with those families. He didn't make hospital visits. He did a, nothing like that at all because there was no way to use this against Republicans. We've seen the same thing with Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots, leaving dozens of people dead, by the way, mostly black, billions of dollars lost in destroyed businesses, by the way, mostly black-owned businesses, thousands of police officers injured. Those black lives dismissed. And then, by the way, while we're at it, uh, and, John, I know I'm getting on a rant here, but let me, I'm almost done ranting, and I don't want to throw it over to you politically on this. The same thing, it seems to be, is happening with black lives being lost in high-crime neighborhoods in this country because of Democrats' soft-on-crime policies. Yep. In Chicago, you got over 210 murders this year alone. Does everybody realize that's over 20 Buffalo massacres. Take this Buffalo massacre that happened uh, on Saturday. Multiply that times 22, and that's the amount of black lives that you have had lost so far just in Chicago alone. But the mayor happens to be an African-American, open lesbian, liberal Democrat. There's no way to use these black deaths uh, to help Democrats and hurt Republicans. And so, therefore, Joe Biden has no interest in going to uh, Chicago. Nobody's going to name the names of these black lives that are lost. And so, John, I know it sounds cynical, but it sure seems to me like the Democrats are saying if there are black lives lost, they don't matter unless we can find a way to politically use it to our advantage.
4: Yeah, well, and number one. You know, what's the old saying? Never let a crisis go to waste. But to prove yeah. your point, Bob, uh, there's multiple stories, by the way, in our neck of the woods going on, not to diminish anything that's happened in California or Buffalo, of course. But again, we had our shooting here in Boulder, Colorado, four days a year ago is the, is the anniversary. So uh, the 22nd of, of, or sorry, it's been uh, the 22nd of, of, sorry, it was March. So it's been over a year ago, 22nd of March, a year ago. Mm-hmm. And what people around here are even saying is, you know, Joe Biden, Didn't say anything about what happened here, really. Never showed up. Uh, That story disappeared quickly, uh, again, because it didn't fit the political mantra of what they could gain in it. So in turn, Bob, that story disappeared as quickly as it started.
1: It sure did. And actually, I want to get Roger in on this as well. Uh, Before we do, one last appeal to everybody listening right now. I know a lot of you have gone ahead and donated to Preborn, and we thank you for that. If you're one of the people that have not yet would you please do it now? You might be saying, "Well, Bob, I'd love to do two hundred eighty dollars and save uh, ten babies' lives, but I just right now I really can't swing two forty. Can you do half of that for one for, uh, for two eighty rather? Can you do half of that for one forty then save five babies' lives for hundred and forty dollars?" Uh, bottom line, folks, we've got babies that are dying across this country. Yeah, we're on the verge of overturning Roe v. Wade, but you know something? That still leaves abortion legal in most of the country. And that's why we need to do everything we can to save these babies' lives. And remember, if a mother sees an ultrasound image of her baby, she chooses life 80% of the time, statistically 80% of the time. That's what pre-born does. They show ultrasound images of babies to moms partnering with Uh, pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country. But it takes money to do this, everybody. $28 saves one baby's life. Would you donate $280 right now to save 10 babies' lives? Or maybe you could do double that. Maybe it's half of that, whatever it may be. Here's how you do it, though. Right now, as you're listening to us, just go online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and you'll see the link right there to help save babies donate now. Just click on that. You could do it right online. Okay. And if you want to call, call right now, toll free 833-850-BABY and you can donate online or right over the phone, 833-850-BABY. You're like, oh, but I'm listening to this in the middle of the night. Doesn't matter. 24 hours a day, they man the phones. They're ready for your call. So 833-850-BABY. We want you to make sure to mention the National Crawford Roundtable when you call, okay? So mention National Crawford Roundtable. Give them a call or go to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the To Help Save Babies Donate Now link. Talking about the the horrible shootings that happened and the unfortunate politicizing of this. And Roger, I want to get your... Thoughts on this as well. Uh, I know it sounds cynical, as I mentioned to John, but I don't know what other conclusion to draw when we see Joe Biden and the Democrats, and by the way, the mainstream media, not – hyper-focusing on the Boulder shooting, as John just mentioned. Uh, Joe Biden not going to Waukesha, Wisconsin when this was clearly a racial attack, not going to the New York subway system when this was clearly a racial attack, Uh, not going to the communities that were destroyed by Black Lives Matter rioting and such, but it's like, let's ignore, let's ignore, let's ignore, let's ignore, until we get a white supremacist who's doing it to black people, then suddenly all of the media is interested and President Biden shows up, and now suddenly those Black Lives Matter. Well, those Black Lives do matter, but all the other Black Lives Matter, too, that have been ignored. It just it seems like it's political.
3: It absolutely is political. And it's interesting, as you were talking about our, our relationship with preborn and the ultrasounds and the success rates that pregnancy resource centers are having with ultrasound images, it really does kind of underscore what we're talking about here. And that's the very fact that when you see the image of the preborn child in the womb, all of a sudden it's amazing how many women who might have been told this is a political decision this is a woman's rights decision this is a blob of tissue and it's not really a human being until you're holding that uh crying cooing baby in your arms but when they see the child's image when they see that and that visual is so important how many hours a day do people spend watching the mainstream media cn and msnbc and the like and mm-hmm. also you know even the fox news is kind of dabbles into it as well The uh, the reality is what they see is a steady diet of what's on the screen, what's on the crawl. What do they want you to see? What do they want you to know? And so, Bob, you you articulated, you know, five very stellar examples of mass shootings, mass killings, things that should have been front page news everywhere. People grieving, the president showing up, you know, press conferences—the whole shot. And instead, we got one press conference out of that whole bunch, and that was in Buffalo because it's politically expedient for the president it's politically expedient for the media but you know in all honesty i think there are a few people who are kind of controlling the strings at the mainstream media i hate to say this but just, just uh, we're all of the same age and kind of grew up in the same america if you will and when you see the younger reporters that are coming out now it has nothing to do with accuracy it has everything to do with speed That's the right. name of the game you know with rush limbaugh coined the drive-by media who just kind of go and take a couple shots and mm-hmm. keep moving we, we have the we have the retweeting and trending media You know, quite frankly, that really doesn't want to do due diligence. Instead, they look and see what the Washington Post and New York Times are tweeting about. And if it's trending a lot, then they get theirs. And I I give you an example. I posted something on my uh, social media page um, when Dr. Cheng passed away. When I found out, I literally found out a half hour before I went on air on Monday that that (laughs) was him, that this happened. And I was just devastated. I mean, I just I I was I was crushed. Someone had I think it was the Fox uh, affiliate in LA had taken a picture of his from a publicity thing and, and posted it in a nice little story. And I reposted it with just my story. I was just pouring my heart out saying, you know, this guy is my family doctor and um, he was a great man of faith. And I'm not surprised he did something like this and several hundred people I'll click and hug and this, that, and the other thing. But I was amazed at the number of people who didn't repost my thing, but took the guts of what I did and effectively kind of mimicked it for themselves. And even mm-hmm. if they didn't have a relationship with it. And I just, my cynical self said, well, well, I mean, welcome to the social media world, you know, where someone mm-hmm. is looking at, you know, how do I, I haven't gotten a lot of clicks on my post recently. Well, here's one that worked. Maybe I can kind of tailor it to mine. So, I mean, we're all kind of falling victim to this if we're not careful. But the idea that we can have a conversation, like, again, this is, this is my weekly, you know, thumbs way up for the National Crawford Roundtable. Where else are you going to get this kind of conversation where we can say, hey, look, with all love and respect, here are four other cases, four other examples of mass killings, mass shootings, mass violence committed against people, the African-American community that you're not seeing in the mainstream media. And we want to know, why didn't the president show up there? Why wasn't the mainstream media all right. over those? And the simple answer is, that, to your point, Bob, follow the money, follow the influence, follow the clicks, follow the trends. This They can't make, what, what's it, the, uh, the, the great Michael Douglas line from the American president? Bob Rumson doesn't want to do this because he can't sell it. You know, and that's the name of the <laughs> yeah. game. I mean, that, that's kind of where we are right now.
4: You know, and, well, and, and, real, real quick, Roger, to add to what you just said, and you're exactly right. You know, Joe Biden couldn't come to Colorado for the shooting that happened at the King Supers, but he can come for the wildfire that, by the way, claimed zero lives.
1: Hmm, yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. No, it's, okay? it's very, that, that
4: proves the point, guys, right there.
1: It's what can we score political points? That's with. right. And it ought not be that way. It really ought not be that way. Okay. If if you have a a massacre that takes place, it shouldn't matter whether it's a. A white person who's a racist who targeted black people or a black person who's racist who targeted white people uh, we shouldn't turn this into a political thing. Oh, pe- People are grieving. The president should be showing up either way and not just cherry that's picking, right. hey what benefits that's us and I think that that's wrong. And by the way, can I just say on a side note, uh, we don't really have time to get into the whole replacement theory thing. I want everybody to understand okay, it is a lie it is a lie that you're being told that Tucker Carlson and Fox News and some conservative Republicans 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 have been pushing a white replacement theory. Uh, That is just not true. Uh, What what they've talked about, is the strategy of the Democrats to have open borders so that illegal immigrants can flood into this country by the millions. Illegal immigrants who are mostly used to government dependency and have a high likelihood of having being on government dependency here in America and most government dependent people tend to vote Democrat. So the Democrats themselves have even admitted with their own mouths that we got a strategy here. Five, ten years from now we've got ourselves a, a pretty powerful voting block. Yeah. Okay, this is some something- that Carlson and conservatives have pointed out the border is being used and lives are being damaged and and the coyotes and the sex traffickers are are, are getting rich off of this strategy to build a, a millions of new Democrat voters and it's not focused on skin color it's not focused on quote replacing white people uh, That's a narrative that dishonestly is being pushed by the Democrats and the media if you want illegal immigration cracked down, on, well, you're just trying to stop non-white people from coming into America. So don't fall for that lie, everybody.
4: Uh, By the way, where that started from in the first place was from them, the Stacey Abrams and such.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. Uh, Let's close this out with Neil, Neil Braun. Uh, Neil, as, uh, as we kind of put an end to this. So maybe you could, you know, Roger's a pastor, but you're a pastor also. And maybe you could just kind of, uh, any final political thoughts on the, the political strategies here in Joe Biden, but then also maybe kind of uh, take us out with a pastoral view of reminding us how we need to be uh, praying for all these people that are suffering, because that that does matter more than the political analysis.
2: Yeah, and I I feel compelled to just say their names real quick. So you know, sure. first obviously Dr. Chang uh, was killed in this uh, Southern California shooting incident, and others were injured there. Uh, Aaron Salter was a retired Buffalo police officer. Um, he was killed, you know, trying to defend these people. Literally pulled his gun, but couldn't couldn't do anything because the people were wearing body armor. Uh, Ruth Whitfield, uh, 86 years old, she was the oldest. Catherine Cat Massey uh, was an activist in our community. Uh, Pearl Young was the aunt to my friend Andre Clark, uh, seventy-seven-year-old, loved Jesus. Hayward Patterson was a deacon in his church. He spent time on Saturdays, bringing people to the grocery store and uh, in the community and helping them load their groceries. He loved people. He loved caring for them. Celestine Cheney uh, was just at the store to buy some some supplies for strawberry shortcake. Uh, Roberta Drury was the youngest, thirty-two years old. Uh, Margus Morrison was fifty-two, the father of three children. Andre McNeil. Uh, was picking up a birthday cake for his three-year-old son Mm. and uh, Geraldine Talley 62 years old was killed there were three others injured Uh, you know but I just want to say uh, there's so many people right now throwing around ideas uh, the same old ideas about how to stop all this we need tougher laws you know we've got to enact stricter policies and there's a place for laws and policies but the bottom line is there's a law against going into a grocery store with a gun to kill people uh and you know this individual's going to face life in prison just because of the first degree murder charge but there's also supposedly some federal hate crime charges coming his way and that could lead to more but you know it, the point is none of that stopped any of that and um what really stops that kind of thing is a change of the human heart which only jesus can do and i think that's where we as believers need to shine Yes, we need to talk about the political stuff and we need to, to address these things head on and stand for truth. But in the midst of all of it, the greatest truth is that no law is going to stop anybody from doing anything. You know, speed limit says 65. All of us have gone over 65, didn't stop us. Uh, are there consequences for breaking laws? Yeah, but the reality is uh, laws don't change hearts, only Jesus does. And so, you know, I just kind of want to actually close in prayer if that's okay. And just yes. ask for God's blessing on this thing. And Lord, I, I pray for Roger. And for others that uh, knew Dr. Chang in California, and Lord, whose lives were definitely impacted by his love and his work, and those that whose lives he spared, we thank you for his courage in and, and reaching out for Aaron Salter, this police officer that, that gave his life trying to save the lives of others, and, and likely did. And Lord, our hearts are heavy for the families that lost loved ones. These are your children, created in your image. doesn't matter what the color of their skin is, Lord, your love is unconditional. Uh, Our hearts are broken for the loss that these people have felt. Lord, there are forces at work in this world. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And to twist these kinds of situations, to use them for political gain is just disgusting. And I pray against that in Jesus' name. I I pray that you would allow the church to be the church. Help us to reach out with love and kindness and respect to all of those around us, our neighbors, the people that we don't know, the people that we have an opportunity to, to share the love of Christ with, God, help us to never shy away from that. We're the ones who have been charged with the responsibility of bringing your light into the darkness and despair that people are feeling. Help us to stand with courage and to do that, even if it costs us our own lives. Lord, help us to have the kind of courage that you did when you laid your life down for us. So God, I thank you for the Crawford Roundtable. I thank you for these men that we get a chance to talk with every single week and compare ideas and share our hearts and sharpen one another. But ultimately, I pray that the message that's going out is a life-changing message rooted and grounded in the truth of your word. Thank you, God, that you love each and every one of us in our sin and in our brokenness and that you promise a better future because of what you accomplished for us at Calvary. We need that. We desire that. So do your work in and through our lives, we pray. and Continue to minister to the families deeply impacted by what happened. Lord, draw them to you. Help us to be used to help bring them to you. Uh, God, may may you be glorified in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Neil. Uh, Folks, that is another National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We always appreciate you folks listening. Uh, You can listen to past episodes at crawfordmediagroup.net. You can watch video of this at myhopenow.com. And, of course, you can also listen wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. If you're at CrawfordMediaGroup.net, don't forget to uh, click on the To Help Save Babies Donate Now and uh, donate to Preborn if you would to save some babies' lives. Make sure you mention the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast when you do that. And Neil Barron, Neil Boron, love out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Uh, gentlemen, always great catching up with you. Thanks uh, much, and I uh, look forward to next week. Thanks, Thank Bob. You. Thanks, Bob. You bet. We'll see you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless.
0: You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the pre-born logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or from wherever you get your podcasts. From your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.